Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. And did you know if you are from New York and you're traveling to Los Angeles and you happen to have an accident in Los Angeles and that hospital that you're in in Los Angeles had to call or get information from your hospital in New York that it would be a pain in the ass? I didn't know this, but I just learned this because of our guest today, Carissa McFarland, founder and CEO of Patientory. And Patientory is putting your medical records and history on the blockchain. What does that mean? That means no matter who you are, no matter where you are or where you're from, if you need your medical records or if you needed your son or daughter's medical records, ASAP, you can have them. So I'm very happy to have Carissa on the show today to tell us about a huge gap in personal safety and security that we didn't know about. And this is why they created their company. So please enjoy the conversation with Carissa. But before that, please come to Crypto101Podcast.com. That's Crypto101Podcast.com. Over there, you can see who we are. You can send us emails. Send me an email. Say what's up. You can go to our iTunes and subscribe to us. You can leave us comments. Leaving us comments and leaving us ratings moves us up in the ranking on iTunes. Right now, we are ranked number 12 or 13 in business podcasts. We want to get into the top 10, so please keep helping us out. And you also can come on our Patreon page. Our Patreon page is what is keeping Crypto 101 paying its bills. The Patreons on our Patreon page, there are 28 of them. They are paying the servers, the upkeep. So thank you very much. And without further ado, a brief conversation with Carissa McFarland. Hi, Carissa. Thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101. Thank you for having me, Matthew. Carissa, would you mind just telling a little bit about yourself, telling the Crypto 101 audience who you are? Sure, absolutely. I'm Carissa McFarlane, the founder and CEO of Patientory. Tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, where you grew up, a little bit about your background. I was actually born in the Caribbean, um, island of Jamaica. Cool. So, you know, Bob Marley's also from there. Right on. But I left at a, yeah, I left at a very young age. I was about three years old. And I moved to New York City. So I grew up in New York City and then went off to college in upstate New York at Cornell. What did you major in college? I was pre-med. So my dream since a little girl was to be a surgeon. I wanted to be a physician. And then I also supplemented my studies with liberal arts. So I I majored Mm -hmm. in Spanish, um, African diaspora history, um, and did a lot of psychology and social um, sciences as well, and did a concentration in global health. So I was always interested in, in, you know, in going in healthcare and being in the healthcare industry. Uh, Even after college, even before college, you wanted to be a doctor. Yeah, since like high school, I was basically pre-preparing for college in high school. So I went to one of the, you know, New York City specialized science high schools 
um, Bronx science and I, you know, started out doing research there. So I did research um, in high school at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, Mm -hmm. um, which is located in the Bronx and received, you know, a couple of honors from the research I did there. What happened? You didn't go to med school. You started, I did not. <laughs> but but you started uh, this company, and what what led you to starting this company? Um, you know what, you know, entrepreneurship has always been in my family. So as immigrants, especially my parents, you know, I grew up in a household. My father, he you know started up restaurants around the city, mm-hmm. um, and I was always there. So I always had this curiosity about going into business. And through college, I you know I would take internships and positions where. I was still working in like a hospital and healthcare setting, but I was always, you know, developing new products or the lead program manager for a new initiative at the hospital. So, you know, before I, you know, decided to sign my life away to med school, I decided to go to business school. Okay. So I headed down south, North Carolina, I went to business school and consulted for, you know, a couple of CEOs in the health IT space. And I fell in love, you know, so it was a really, you know, big detour from what I thought I wanted to do, you know, growing up as a child. Through that consulting, through that business school and through being in hospitals and the entrepreneurial um, background you have, what inspired the idea for patient tour? So well, after graduating business school, I got poached actually to work for a healthcare tech startup in New York. The CEO was a um, Cornell alum. Okay. So she found me through her network and was really impressed and wanted me to lead their insurance product. It's my first time really, you know, full time out of school you know, especially working for a startup in the healthcare technology um, setting. So I did that. You know, we were an app. We saw, you know, over 100 startup companies and, you know, big companies based out of New York. We had a lot of great, great brands. And we were their go-to guides for anything healthcare. Mm-hmm. Biggest problem I had, and especially in leading my team, was actually getting access to patient information. Hmm. Um, so that's really where that inspiration for patient Tory came from. And I had actively, you know, been following the, the Bitcoin um, blockchain space for a while. And I think it was really my research instincts that just kicked in was like, why not marry the two industries together? I mean, right. we have blockchain. We do this in healthcare as well. What was the problem with patient information? What was the thing that you're you're dealing with every day, day in and day out, and that you just said, okay, this sucks. This is enough. <laughs> I'm going to fix this shit. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, just down to the different electronic medical records that are available now. There are over 3,000 different EMRs just in the U.S. alone. What is an EMR? And electronic medical record. Okay. And there are over 3,000 vendors, and they don't talk to each other. So... Let's say you go to your, your, you know, your physician who's on one electronic medical record system, and then you have to go to another specialist, you know, who's on a different EMR system. There's no way to get, you know, that information from one point to the next without, you know, going through this long process of waiting for that information. And that's a lot of the stories that we received, you know, just managing different patients, Um, We had a pregnant lady who was like, who had induced labor because she was on vacation and um, they didn't have access to her medical information. So 
it took them a longer time to do all the tests and actually know what she needed right because she didn't have that information on hand can we go through the operations just really quick of the current medical system and what patientory is going to do and then base the basic foundations of your product so right now if you wanted to get information from see i'm, I'm living in taiwan i get into yeah. a car accident i'm sitting in the hospital and they don't know what's going on with me because maybe i have a underlying condition how do they get information right now right now yes. well who knows if you know that hospital system in taiwan uses an electronic database to actually store that information um so in the U.S., it was mandated by the Obama administration for all hospitals and clinics to keep an electronic medical record keeping system for their patients. Hmm. Um, and we were one of the first, you know, nations to actually do that. And we still see a lag, especially in the third world, where they're still using paper records. And I even know in rural areas in the U.S., even though it, it's illegal, you know, Clinics and doctors' offices are still using paper record right. um, to manage their their patients' information. So right now, everything is is pretty fragmented still and disparate. Well, yeah. So with the digital system on the on in the United States right now, a hospital in Los Angeles can hop online and get information from New York. It it depends on if they're on the same system. If they're not on the same system, then that's nearly impossible because. And you said there's three thousand systems. Yeah, and the two major ones I would name Epic and Cerner, you know, they're very they're very closed and siloed. Okay, which means they protect their information because they don't want their data is important in the revenue generating service. Exactly. I see. I see. So basically, it's impossible to get my my records to Los Angeles unless for some reason we're using both using Cerner. Yeah, okay. which makes it makes it much easier. But then they're still, you know, you you have to see what actual Cerner system your hospital is using. Okay, so this is starting to piece together. I don't think anybody knows how their hospital works. They know that they have Band-Aids and they have Tylenol, but other than that, they don't know. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a pretty messy system. The small mom and pop shops in the rural areas, are they not using the system because maybe they don't like change or is it an access? Are these systems too expensive for them? That's, you know, a big portion of it is cost. You look at implementations for a lot of the the major hospital systems and these are multi-million dollar implementation costs. And that might run a couple of hundred thousand dollars for even a small clinic. So we see a lot of pushback from the actual providers, the doctors, because they're just so used to, you know, how their way of, of keeping a record, bringing in a digital system is kind of, it's really disruptive to their, to their workflow. Right. I remember when I had, when I had to start using Excels in, in class back in, <laughs> I was like, what, no paper and pencil? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the, you know, just from doctor friends that I have and doing interviews, you know, a lot of the doctors complain that a lot of their time is spent inputting information rather than right. time spent with the patient. Right. That's a very good point. Okay. So I think we've already got to the point where we know that we need a new system and PTOY is that new system. Can you tell us about how it works, why it's going to benefit everybody and is it going to be accessible to everybody? Yeah, well, we hope our main moonshot goal is to, you know, really empower patients globally 
to have a, a platform where they can, you know, manage and transfer their health data, um, regardless of where they are. But it, it at the end of the day, it, you know, it boils down to to that individual patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're using blockchain to, you know, run nodes on these hospital servers to act as a pointer for patient data so that, Mm. you know, patients can easily access that information. So right Right. now, the average time to actually get your health information, you know, mailed out to you or they, you know, healthcare still uses faxes, you know, it's still an industry that's in the 80s, that's in the 80s, you know, and we, we see patients can wait anywhere from three weeks to, you know, four months for that information. Wow. So why not have a system that bridges all these these systems together so that, you know, patients can have that information from time of birth. I guess the natural question is, okay, so just in summary, PTOI is putting your information, your medical history and information on the blockchain and giving it to the individual. Am I correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Great summary. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, why isn't there just a system? Why? Okay, first of all, why do you need the blockchain? And second of all, why isn't there just a universal system where they just everybody uses it because it's better for the hospitals? That's the, the chicken and the egg question. That's a very great, great question. It's something that, that the industry really needs, um, especially looking at healthcare spend in the country, which is about, you know, 75% of U.S. debt. Wow, really? Is it? But. Yeah, but we've seen a lot of companies, you know, try to do this and fail. Google Health, Microsoft Health Law, right. you know, which, which you know, came out five years ago. And, and I think the number one reason boils down to the infrastructure and the technology mm-hmm. needed to be able to achieve that. So the good thing with blockchain is that, you know, an underlying, you know, value proposition with blockchain is, is the system of distribution, Um, and distributed ledgers, which I think makes, and also the the security and the encryption um, that our company is using from the healthcare standpoint to actually secure the transfer of that information is what's really game-changing and really differentiates us um, Mm. in the market. Who needs to take the lead on this? Is it the individual, is it Matthew Aaron that has to go out and say and demand that he wants to put his health information on the blockchain or is it the hospitals that need to implement it? Or is it this uh, this another chicken and egg? Well, we really see this as a coming together of both parties, right? Usually we see healthcare driven by the provider and it's this top-down approach where you go to the doctor and you do everything your doctor told you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Right. Uh, but again, we're empowering the patient, right? So while the hospital would be the one to implement it, you know, and we really sell into hospital systems. And hone in on those those value propositions I, I mentioned earlier. We really see the patient as the drivers and adopt the technology when thinking about scale. Off topic. What kind of restaurants did your parents have? Oh, it's Jamaican. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Well, what is what is Jamaican food? Yeah. 
So it's like jerk chicken. You ever had? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Curry. Yeah. You wait. You said curry. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, Jamaica has a curry. Yeah, you never had Jamaican curry. No, it's really good. Is it? What is it? Is it's it? What spicy. is it like? They don't. Jamaican curry doesn't use coconut milk like you would like you would find in Thai curry right. or some Indian curry dishes. It's more similar to Indian red curry. Okay. Um, it's very spicy. Because there's I, I definitely just, try it if you can. I, I I would love to. I've never been to. A, I mean, everybody knows jerk chicken, but I never been to a Jamaican yeah. restaurant. I think that's a. Oh wow. That's that looks like that seems like a New York thing uh, that they would start. It is. Because <laughs> we didn't yeah. have it in Cleveland or Hawaii that I know of. Oh no! Yeah, you you won't find a lot of Jamaicans out there. <laughs> but we. But if you're ever in New York, um, there are a ton. So did they have a restaurant their whole life in the in the states, or it was that a new thing? Did they have one, two, many? Yeah, in the states, and I know we actually helped launch, um, worked with largest Jamaican franchise, which is called Golden Cross. So they do a lot of the Jamaican patties, which is similar to an empanada. And they do around, they, I know they distribute like over 50 million across the U.S., North America, the Caribbean, right. and and Europe. Yeah, so we, we know that family pretty well. And then my father had around three before they de- he decided that restaurant business is just too much, you know, too too demanding. Right. And I'm surprised you didn't go into put, uh, you know, Jamaican food on the blockchain. I should. <laughs> <laughs> that that will be my next my my next endeavor. JRK token. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and another off question. Does your parents have a Jamaican yeah. accent? They do and they still do to this day even though they've been in this country for oh, almost like over 30 years. That's awesome. I think I think once you grow up, you know, past high school, like past 17 or 18, in a culture, right? Um, you just you can't really get rid of it. You know what I mean? Right. No, no. I've been in Asia for 13 years, and I'm pretty fluent in Chinese, but I have the worst American <laughs> accent. <laughs> yeah. I can't get rid of it. And when Maybe I, if you went went there when you were like 12. You right. Could, you know. I, I have I have a buddy who's a uh, Russian, and he uh, went to the states. You know, when he was you know in his teens, and his his he, he speaks perfect English. It's, it, couldn't even tell but then his mother has been in the states you know for as, as long as he has been and she has does her russian <laughs> accent can't get rid of it it's, it's interesting how that works it is like the environment um that you grow up in really dictates your future <laughs> yeah, it, but it's also a resistance of yourself you re- it's not you resist your environment at a certain age and say no i will not say it this way yeah yeah. All right. Sorry. Back to uh, Pagetory. What's the difference between Pagetory and, say, other privacy coins? For example, Civic and Datum. Civic is, you know, a privacy coin. It's going to put your personal identity on the blockchain. Um, Datum is a, a coin, a token that is going to um, control your data. For, for example, your the, your online presence. But they all want to expand to controlling, you Different know, all industries. Of, yes, exactly. So why is Pitoy better than, say, Civic or Datum? Yeah, well, not not to, you know, um, I mean, I think there are really synergies down the line between all of us. But I think our take on the industry is that we're really coming on coming from it from a niche perspective and looking at the current state of healthcare and the problems that it faces and how 
you know, having your data on the blockchain can solve a lot of these problems. So we would go deep into machine learning, AI, care coordination, disease states um, that affect the patient. Whereas from other tokens that are more focused on, you know, general usage of data, they're not really looking at the underlying issues in the healthcare industry that needs to be addressed really using that data. I mean, I'm not saying like they don't have the potential to do that. I think for us, we're really thinking about these problems firsthand and how we can apply blockchain to solve them. Where do you see uh, patient 20 in five years or 10 years, 20 years? Where do you see yourself? Wow, that's a great question. I wake up and I ask myself that every day. Oh, really? <laughs> like, every day? You drive yourself crazy that way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but no, he's taking it one day at a time, right? But, right. you know, our overall vision is, is, is to really, you know, have that global footprint and really see patients using it to their benefit where, you know, we're having a significant improvement on the overall well-being um, and health of the individual. Especially in, you know, developing countries where, you know, medical care is harder mm -hmm. um, for, for patients to access. What is the access of this for, say, um, say if you're, you're a clinic in Nigeria and you want to put your, your health records on the blockchain, can they afford this? This should, this should be simple. It should be, it's really, our, our value proposition is cost to zero, right? Okay. How can we decrease the cost of health care? by a factor of a million. And I think just by using, you know, cryptocurrency, which doesn't require, you know, a lot of effort to actually use and get, we see this playing into the long-term strategy for healthcare. And it really, you know, goes full circle in my first position at the telemedicine startup where, you know, the doctors were online and they couldn't get access to these, to these employee records because, they weren't a part of their health institution. Oh, so we really see this in the grander scheme of access for patients in developing countries that ha can have their information and maybe, you know, they use it to travel elsewhere right. um, to, get, to get treatment. If you don't mind, can we move into more general questions about the market? Yeah. And what do you think of the market these days? The FUD, the hype, Bitcoin's price hovering around 20000 Do you think this is a good thing? I think that with without anything new, you're going you're gonna to see these reactions. I, I think it's human nature. Um, to me, I find it really amusing, especially the FUD um, and, and the stories that come out of it. Mm. Um but I do see where, you know, the interest is growing. And I think it's with, with that, we people are really waking up and, you know, wanting to learn more about the industry, about cryptocurrency, you know, about blockchain, because it is the future. I 100% agree. And I think that you hit on one of my, my sore spots about, you know, the current market is the media and how they just love to fud the crap out of Bitcoin every chance they get. Yeah. And they love yeah. to hype it when they get a chance to. It's like, like pick a side, y'all. <laughs> pick a side. Exactly. <laughs> or at least it's report like real you're news. It's hot today and then cold tomorrow. Exactly. You know, 
I've never seen an industry that's just again it's so, it's so volatile, right? Right. The the speed that cryptocurrency moves, it's allowing us to see the media machine, the banking machine and human nature in a real time that we all can digest. So we can see the way that the media is playing their games with the news and the stories yes. and the clickbait. Absolutely. It really sheds a light, you know, and transparency on especially a lot of corporate practice that would have been shielded from the average person 10 years ago. What is one person you look up to in the crypto space? I would have to give it out to Miko Otama. I don't know if you know him, the token market guys. Nope. Like they work their their asses off and I think he was ranked, you know, one of the top 3 advisors in crypto space along with um Vitalik okay. <laughs> because it's it's hilarious. I think he's done the majority of the token sales and ICOs this year, twenty seventeen. Right so why why do you yeah. look up to him? Just because just because he's a hard worker or Yeah, hard work. I know beat in the space, you're literally up to your, your nose in work and just the smarts and the ability to see through, you know, all the BS. And really maintain your integrity and character through it all. Right on. He's dealing with a lot, millions of dollars, you know, on a daily basis. So, and writing smart contracts and advising startups. So, I mean, that's a it's a high intense job. Is he an advisor for you? Indirect, no. In indirectly. Like, hey, Indirectly, yeah. yeah but just... he did advise us earlier this year. I'm actually a big holder of of uh, P toy, so so I'm. Oh, I'm, nice! Yeah, Congrats. Well, no, congrats to you. you long-term got... holder. Well, it's been no, but I'm 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 in it for the long run because I I really like uh, there's a lot of things I like about your company so far, and I really hope that you are successful in you know taking oh, thank you taking people to the and you know it's it, it this is one of those things like it, it is sort of a crowdfunding thing, so every little bit helps, and you know getting to know people like you, the people in the space, and you know connecting the listeners to you is 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 important. Exactly. It really is. Which company do you think is going to have the greatest impact in the crypto space in the future? In the future. In the future. Not like pay patientory. <laughs> you you can. You can. But let's, let's try not to. Let's try another one. What is your idea? I know. I, know. I, was, I was kidding. Um, no, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> you just know me so well already. Look at that. <laughs> But I no, I really admire the guys at Ethereum. I think what they're doing and just recreating the internet is so powerful and i just can't wait to see you know the milestones and the products that come out of it in like the next five years and the adoption right you know i always ask in this podcast if this was the first podcast somebody just getting into the space heard they saw this interview with you what would you want them to know that's i don't want to sound too cliche but you know, don't listen to all the FUD in the space. You know, definitely be open-minded. Do your research. And the sky is the limit. Right on. That was, that was very concise. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else that we, we need to cover of, of, um, of Patientory or? Yeah, other than, you know, check us out at patientory.com and sign up to our newsletter. We just sent one out earlier today. And join our Slack. The final question of the day, before I ask the final question, I want to say thank you very much for spending your time with us. And I really do hope that you get people's health on the blockchain or into their hands so they can 
send it without four weeks to four months the delays <laughs> in getting their health information. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate it. That's the goal. We so, want to make healthcare secure, right, and accessible. What three song would you like with your interview? All right, don't laugh. I'm, I can't promise that. <laughs> so the first one is going to be Celine Dion. Oh, a new day has come. I'm trying to not to laugh. I'm trying. To laugh. <laughs> I'm just gonna mute my mic. Okay, go on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the second one is Alphaville, Forever Young. Good song. Yeah, I love that song. And I was really having a hard time thinking of the third one. And I'm like looking through my playlist and like how I feel right now. And I just can't seem to pick a song. Is there, we'll wait for it. Wait for it? Yeah, we're going to have to wait for it. I can't, I can't just insert a song in there willy-nilly. Okay, so it's going to have to be Bruno Mars, 24K Magic. There you go. Boom. Thank you there very much. You're welcome. Thank you, like always, for listening to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. Before I go, I want to say ApogeeCrypto.com, A-P-O-G-E-E, Crypto.com, the best place to check real-time prices on your cryptocurrencies and a lot more information. So check them out. I've said it many times. You won't be disappointed. Thank you very much. And don't forget to refer your friends to this podcast. Even though it's just cryptocurrency, the conversations and the interviews we think are quite interesting just to learn about new technology that's coming out on the market. So please refer your friends to Crypto 101 and thank you again for listening. This is Matthew Aaron. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.